Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Real Deals' Private Equity Talks podcast. I'm Talia Masiri, editor of Real Deals, and I'll be co-hosting today with our features editor, Sam Birchall. During today's chat, we'll be looking to dissect a newer theme in the industry that is known as the just transition and how it is being used in practice. To do this, we have Michelle Giddens, co-CEO at Bridges Fund Management, and Sharon Johnson, COO of Agility Eco, a Bridges portfolio company. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Hi. nice to be here. Good to be here. Great, thank you. Um, So I'm excited to to get stuck into um, the the concept of the just transition first and to to set the scene for our our listeners. Um, Michelle, for those of our listeners who were at the the Real Deals and Drawdown ESG conference a couple of months ago, um, would have heard yourself and Sam discuss the just transition. Um, But maybe to to set the scene once again, from your perspective, kind of as an investor, how would you describe the, the concept of a just transition? Thank you, Talia. Yes, look, um, I think this is the next wave of thinking in terms of sustainable investing. And fortunately, many more investors are these days thinking about climate impacts in their investments and making net zero commitments. And that's incredibly important. And the latest IPCC report, as you might have seen, suggests that the investment in the shift to a low carbon world is about six times lower than it needs to be. So thinking about the climate and investments is incredibly important. And really a just transition takes this to the next level. It's about ensuring that the benefits and the costs of transitioning to a green economy are distributed widely and are distributed fairly. Um, So it means that when we think about environmental sustainability in choosing investments and how we run our investments, we also think about what that means for social inclusion, decent work, poverty eradication. It means, um, I mean, I think this is so essential because if we don't, as an industry um, and as uh, as countries, bring people with us in this transition, then we may not only is that sort of not fair in the first place, but also um, without it, we can't hope to build the political consensus we need to achieve net zero. For Bridges, we um, use uh, we, we tend to think about this as investing in a more sustainable and a more inclusive economy. Um, so reducing our impact on the planet while also helping more people fulfill their potential and, and building stronger communities. Um, Professor Nick Robbins, I just finalised that answer by saying Professor Nick Robbins at LSC, who really is one of the people who came up with this concept of the just transition, said if net zero is the what, then the just transition is the how. I guess the next question, Michelle, really would be, obviously you talked about kind of what the idea of the just transition is um, kind of philosophically, um, but what does that look like in practice? So what sort of tools and measurements and frameworks can GPs use? What advice would you have for them um, to use where they can sort of measure their just transition objectives? Sure, I I think a very, very good place to look first um, is a recent report from the G7 Impact Investing Task Force that looked, um, that that describes three key elements 
that any investor should be thinking about if they care about just transition investing. So first, number one, of course, is climate and environmental action. Number two, socioeconomic distribution and equity. And then number three, community voice, which really means thinking as you make an investment about how you're going to listen to the voice of the individuals that are affected by that investment. And those three elements, they say, can be either integrated into individual investment choices, or there's also an option to think about creating products which are focused on the just transition and that are deliberately seeking out investments using those three tools. Another way that we like to think about it, um, we've always used um, the UN um, Sustainable Development Goals in our investing. And of course, they also represent quite a strong um, sense of the just transition, particularly uh, the goals, eight, decent work for all, seven, clean energy for all, uh, 12, responsible consumption and production, um, and then 13, climate action, and, and goal number one, poverty eradication. So at Bridges, um, when we look at an investment, we develop a core impact thesis, and um, that thesis must either have uh, a strong environmental dimension or a strong inclusivity dimension. And of course, our um, uh, bullseye, if you like, in terms of an impact thesis would combine both uh, positive impact on, on, on planet and inclusivity. Um, and actually the example we're going to talk about, Agility Eco is a really good example where it um, does both um, uh, relate to inclusivity as well as to, to, to planet related themes. Great, and I feel like that is a perfect segue then perhaps to, to introduce um, Sharon. Um, so we've obviously heard from the investor side how financial institutions can integrate the social dimension into the way they um, allocate capital for, for net zero and, and what that process looks like. Um, but now let's hear from the portfolio level. Um, so Sharon, it would be great to get your perspective on what it's been like to be on this just transition journey. Um, so first, if you could tell us a bit about Agility Eco, um, what it aims to do, and yeah, and how your partnership with Bridges began. Yeah, that's great. Um, also, I'm a fairly recent starter at Agility, but actually the company was launched in 2013. And the thing I love about it is it has a, a really unique proposition around fuel poverty. So we combine supporting vulnerable customers and providing them all kinds of support, um, financial advice and support, and also energy efficiency retrofit measures to improve the quality of their home, both from a kind of heat and comfort perspective, but also obviously from the cost perspective. So what we're about is we want to play a major role in eliminating fuel poverty. Um, we want to do a great job for those customers that we help, and we want to contribute to net zero. So what, how that shows up in practice is we, we really, really understand how to help vulnerable customers. We have a large number of people that are either working in um, vulnerable customers' homes, giving them help and support or on the phone to them, um, providing advice. Um, we have a great relationship with a number of organisations that help um, identify customers that are in need. So that's charities, local authorities and energy suppliers. Um, and we have access to a large network of installers who can go into customers' homes and fit insulation and heating to make their homes better. 
Um, and we have a great reputation actually for uh, delivering energy efficiency programs um, in, in a really efficient way. So, so that's, that's Agility Eco. In, in terms of the relationship with bridges, um, back in 2019, you know, 20, Agility was already strongly in that, that mission and that mindset, but it had grown quite rapidly and very successfully um, from a startup um, and needed help and support from an investor to continue to expand its services, to become a little bit more professional, a little bit more industrial strength. And that the founders were looking for an investor with similar values and a sort of a social impact ethos. So uh, that funding from Bridges was announced on the 20th of November, a new board and chair were put in place. And since then, really, the company has gone from strength to strength, despite that happening, you know, just as COVID was about to hit, there's been expansion on all fronts. And we've built a couple of new business lines in, into the company. So it's been a, a very successful partnership. Yeah, it sounds like a, a really incredible business. Um, and you mentioned you were sort of prior to your investment with Bridges, you were already perhaps in this just transition mindset. Um, but were you aware of that concept before um, your partnership with Bridges and, and were there elements of a just transition already within your business, I guess, prior to this partnership and investment? Yeah, I, I think less expressly aware, more it was just what the company was about and there to do. So the fit was already there. So our manifesto is about securing more money for energy efficiency upgrades for the fuel poor and making sure that it's spent in absolutely the best way it can be. Um, about partnering with local organisations to you know, have a win-win uh, uh, relationship and to make sure that all vulnerable customers can get help. So you know, in there, you can hear a lot of alignment um, with, with what we were just talking about. Um, so in terms of how, that, how we work, that shows up with us being incredibly highly networked, we're partnering with local authorities, with installers, with energy suppliers and with charities and delivering advice through local third sector agencies. Mm -hmm. So for example, we supported 757 jobs last year in local companies and social enterprises. So I think that gives us standout expertise with the vulnerable and the fuel poor. Um, we, we touched 45,000 customers' lives um, in our community schemes um, business unit last year. So, and, that, and that is life-changing for some of those customers. So there's a good alignment there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And Michelle, just coming back over to you uh, briefly. So from your perspective as an investor coming in, what sort of opportunities for growth did you identify sort of prior to and then during um, your investment in Agility Eco and, and kind of perhaps using that transition lens? Well, and I, our really strong conviction is that companies that are um, responding to these macro challenges like the need for greater sustainability, like the need for greater equity and a greater inclusion, um, are uh, likely to be the companies that are going to grow among the fastest in the economy. And I think you can really hear that from Sharon. So um, we were very attracted to Agility Eco because we felt that its growth potential was going to be enormous, as well as um, having a very positive impact on people and planet. Um, and as you think today about the uh, challenges that are being faced in terms of fuel poverty, they're of course only and they're in the news all the time now, particularly with the Ukraine situation. So this is a challenge that is becoming 
um, has become even more at the forefront of people's minds. So we saw a company um, that was doing its work extraordinarily well and had huge growth opportunities. But like all the companies that we work with, there were challenges that they wanted to work through and we thought we could bring support to them. So it's scaling existing services, diversifying services. So we've been looking at incorporating remote telephone service provision, um, better tailored services such as the help hub. Um, it's about, in, we've worked with them to improve organizational capacity. So we hired with them a new chair, a new CSO and new COO being Sharon. Um, and then, uh, of course, as with every investment that Bridges makes, we're always looking to try to bring support to them in terms of the way that they measure and communicate their impact on society, which in turn delivers them additional competitive advantage because their customers and their other stakeholders are more clearly aware of the positive impact that they're having. Sure. Absolutely. And I want to talk a bit about sort of that measuring um, concept. So, um, so Sharon, obviously, we've, we've, you've spoken a bit about sort of the, the focus that Agility Eco has on energy efficiency. Um, and I think quite a lot of the time companies do tend to focus on that kind of measuring the, their CO2 and such. And that's perhaps a, a bit kind of something that's a bit easier for people to focus on. But I want to turn now and look at that, how you measure uh, the social impact. Um, yeah, how do you do that and what kind of challenges are around that? So, um, yeah, I think in, this is an area where Bridges have particularly helped us lift this, this our impact out. Um, so if, for example, we, we made 200 million pounds of interventions in 2021, and that's about 7,000 pounds per household in lifetime savings on their energy bill, which if you, you know, put that in context of today's world with the energy prices going up the way they are, that is hugely impactful. And also on health and care outcomes, we delivered 9.5 million pounds of health and care outcomes last year. And so I think where, where Bridges have really helped us is to bring us that, that focus and ability to measure impacts in, in that way, which we probably wouldn't have done previously. And I think, you know, it, for, for me as, as a COO, how that shows up in real life is the customer experience. So I wanted to just talk about Mr. Bumstead, who we helped. He was referred through our Portsmouth City Council to our LEAP advice scheme. Mr. Bumstead is an elderly man. He lived alone in a park home. He had ill health. He wasn't receiving any benefits at that time. And he was struggling with the cost of heating his home. And we were able to provide him with a gas connection worth two and a half thousand pounds, some heating worth three thousand eight hundred pounds and insulation and work to his home to improve it worth eleven thousand pounds. And that showed up as forty thousand pounds in lifetime bill savings for Mr. Bumstead. And, and it's still a load of numbers, isn't it? But actually, when you receive the emails that we receive from customers and their relatives saying, you know, you have changed my life. I now feel better. My health is better. I'm not feeling anxious. You know, that's where this, this stuff really shows the impact it's having. All right. So Sharon, for you, since the investment, um, could you talk to us a bit about how you've been working with Bridges and, and particularly uh, what changes have been made um, that are really driving the just transition um, since your partnership? Yeah, I think I call out two things really. But first is that we get great advice and supportive challenges from Bridges and our board, and that's incredibly helpful. And secondly, the focus of the structure around impact and reporting has, has just 
bought it, you know, it's a clearer relief for us. So, so on the first of those, I think, you know, the, the challenge and support front, it, it helps us generally be more effective. So there's been a lot of challenge around how technology and how we use data, our approach to quality, making us more efficient as an organization since the investment. And on organizational maturity, how we develop our people and give them a great career path through how we become more diverse and more inclusive. Um, we, we've introduced an employee ownership scheme through Bridges, very good advice. And, and we're getting great support on our application to become B Corp certified. Um, and the, we also get brilliant strategic advice. So the Alto investment um, around heat pumps has been you know, fully supported by uh, bridges um, as we've discussed it and progressed it through our board so general advice and support is fantastic but secondly the focus on on the um, structure of how we report on impact is important and aligning our goals to the sustainable development goals in particular the ones that support just transition so for example on goal 10 climate action lots of the work we do is fully aligned to that making homes more efficient. So we delivered 545,000 tonnes of lifetime CO2 abatement into year 20 to 21. And on goal 10, reducing inequalities, we, we support customers with advice and other measures. So our community schemes business unit, for example, provides many more customers with advice and support than the ones that end up getting the um, retrofit changes to their homes. So that delivers about an average reduction in the fuel poverty gap we achieved last year was 251%. And on goal eight, um, decent work and economic growth, I've talked a lot about how we um, network with installers and other businesses and how we can help them be successful as well as ourselves. And then on all seven, affordable and clean energy, lots of the schemes we're driving are delivering solar panels, for example, and heat pumps, which are going to become enormous when we're investing enormously. And so I think that structure, it, it, it makes us feel great as an organisation um, and, and it shows that we're, the things we're doing are you know, positive. Obviously, having such a, a such an a, such an integral part of agility eco's um, strategies is to stay tuned in and connected to the needs of those communities that you're aiming to help. Um, and it seems obviously, as you mentioned, it seems so incredibly topical right now um, with the energy crisis and everything and the, and the current sort of living crisis that we're all sort of struggling with. Um, so my question is, I guess, how do you ensure that you're remaining well informed about the communities that you're serving, and how does it, how does that sort of fit in with your with your business strategy? Yeah, I think our business strategy is is to work very closely and to be fully integrated with a large network of different organisations and with consumers. So as I described, we're doing work for a number of um, councils and funders, and obviously they have their own specific issues and we need to talk to them and understand that. So working with a local council in the southeast might not be have the same issues, for example, as one in the north. Um, we work closely with our network of installers and it has to be a value exchange between us and them um, and, and a win-win relationship. So we work very hard to understand what's important about those businesses and how they can keep their businesses running. Um, we work with charities uh, and other referrers, so they obviously are very, very close to what's going on on the ground for consumers. 
we work with consumers themselves, um, obviously talking to them through our call center, which Michelle just talked about, we've been able to expand and through our home energy advisor network. And we talk to energy suppliers who obviously have the best possible view at the moment about how consumers are feeling and some of the challenges they're facing. So I think that if we didn't do that, we would be not having the edge that we do have, which we, we are able to tailor what we do to the, the specific groups of customers that we need. And that is why we're so successful. So an example I would draw out now is we've just made an investment in Alto Energy, who are a, a specialist heat pump provider. Obviously this is a, an important you know, move from away from gas heating towards heat pumps. It's essential. We've got a high number of targets to, to hit in the next few years. And the wrapper we're putting around that is to make sure for vulnerable customers, one, that they understand that um, the likely change to their heating experience that they get from a heat pump and the, to their energy usage, and that we take them through that journey because they need much greater support, for example, than an able to pay customer who may have researched it would have. So, you know, that that's our whole ethos is around understanding what, what the end consumers really want and making sure that although some of this work is, is funded um, through public money, they still feel like that they're in control of it. Yeah, ensuring, so ensuring that you sort of always, always stay connected to the, to the customers that you're, you're serving really. Yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of huge, um, Sharon, to kind of see that, that impact. Um, and then clearly kind of the, with the, the amount of customers you're serving as well. And at the moment as well, it's clearly very um, crucial and perhaps even more um, important in terms of what you're doing and, and the societies that you're helping. Um, okay, and then kind of looking more broadly, once again, Michelle, from your perspective, so we've kind of seen and heard about kind of how you've worked with, with Sharon and Agility Eco, um, but from the perspective of um, maybe as an investor to, to give advice to, to your fellow GPs and peers out there in terms of how they can best engage um, with their portfolio companies on, on the just transition, um, how, how do you advise firms to, to go about kind of considering this? Um, Ultimately, we are all investors and we're looking to invest in companies that can deliver attractive and sustainable financial returns to our investors. And so what we've um, what we hope to do with all of the companies that we work with is to identify those win-win uh, um, opportunities where um, uh, taking decisions that are more inclusive, taking decisions that are better in terms of the planet can also transform the commercial success of the business. And, and I hope that's what we've been able to do with Agility Eco, um, which for example, as Sharon said, um, with uh, work with us has now um, produced an excellent uh, impact report, which I believe, and Sharon could probably confirm this or not, um, is, is, one of the, is one of the elements that um, has helped to transform also their commercial um, success. And so um, supporting greater transp transparency and accountability, we believe in turn, can support uh, stronger um, uh, commercial and, 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 and investment uh, growth. And it's really finding um, those opportunities, those win-wins that can help companies to understand why this is important for them yeah. as well as for the investor. 
Definitely, definitely. And I guess um, just kind of a follow up to that in terms of we're still clearly at, at the early stages. Well, obviously not not for Bridges and Agility Co as well, as, as we've discussed, um, are clearly already kind of imp- um, integrating aspects of the just transition into the business. Um, and of course, Bridges are looking across your portfolio at how you can help your portfolio companies. Um, but for the investors, I, I assume, is still quite an early concept still um, for LPs, um, especially in terms of them understanding the uh, benefit of this type of investment. Um, so is that something you've had to kind of communicate more clearly to your LPs? Um, is it something that they're interested in learning more about or is it still kind of early stages there? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Talia, um, because uh, for us, um, both in- inclusivity, um, the, the social dimensions um, and the planetary dimensions have always been part of our four key impact themes that are around health and around community um, and around education and around um, sustainable living. So for mm-hmm. our investors, the inclusion of both social and environmental factors has always been a part of yeah. just thinking. <clears throat> However, this concept of the just transition, the more uh, <clears throat> which is now being covered in places like I've talked about the um, the G7 report, but also is a core part of, uh, I think it's at least a quarter of the um, government plans for climate change. Um, it's also very notably um, a concept captured in the Paris Agreement. So it's something that I think investors are beginning to hear more about. And if you think about yourself, if you are, for example, a fiduciary investor, a pension fund, and thinking about the long-term needs of the pensioners that you serve, then the transition to a green economy is crucial for them, but so also is uh, their inclusion um, and the inclusion of, of, their, of their, ki- their children in this, in this transition. My view, and perhaps uh, Michelle tell me if I'm wrong here, um, but obviously not all companies, not all portfolio companies are going to be as, as well suited and kind of have those synergies to kind of nicely fit into the, the just transition. Um, so kind of what, what would you say are some of the, the main barriers for, of the just transition kind of for some GPs and, and their portfolio companies? Uh, yeah, thanks, Talia. You know, as we discussed, it's, it's a new concept. So uh, relatively new concept. So that's in a way the first barrier. And I think the, the reality is that um, a lot of companies, a lot of investors are mainly focused um, at the moment, if they're focused at all on um, carbon, uh, counting carbon, reducing carbon, which is fantastic. Um, but going beyond that and, and thinking in, in the investor strategy about whether there are ways they can invest that would help with inclusivity in that transition is, is, is a next step. Um, and, and I think there are two ways of thinking about it as an investor. One is um, thinking about it in terms of your wider investment strategy. So what sorts of companies are we invest- are we interested in selecting? Um, and whether uh, we want to whether you want to think about um, inclusion, creation of jobs in the green economy, as well as the question of reduction of carbon. And then the second question that you asked then, Talia, is more at the portfolio company level once you've already made the investment. Uh, and there it's really a question of thinking about the impacts of those companies, not just, you know, beyond carbon, really, thinking about the impact mm-hmm. of the companies 
firstly in terms of their reduction of carbon, then also in terms of inclusivity, job quality, uh, and those other um, considerations. Um, what are the barriers? You know, always a barrier is um, a lack of standard metrics, which is why I think it is exciting that the G7 has come up with this recent report that I think it's worth um, worth looking at that social impact report because it's seeking to set a, a series of principles for just transition investing, which will help investors to think in a more systematic way about how they how they consider all factors of a just transition. Sure, sure, really interesting. And, and that brings me on to kind of the final point, Michelle, around kind of what sort, what kind of support and regulations um, are available or is needed in your view um, from the government to kind of help towards this, this progression and this just transition? I guess uh, for me, the, the role of government is to, um, is to catalyze, it's to create a supportive policy environment for investments that are um, promoting sustainability and promoting the just transition. Um, part of this is a regulatory question. So um, uh, helping to provide a clearer baseline um, and requirements for reporting that will um, reduce the, the um, uncertainty about what, um, what standard metrics should be. Um, I think thinking about more work on fiduciary duty and incorporating the just transition into um, the fiduciary duty of investors. Um, and, and I think ultimately, the last thing maybe I would say is that um, although policy can help enormously, um, the challenges that we face are immediate. The urgency of the need to um, progress to net zero, uh, you know, we need to see a turning point by 2025. So uh, I would urge investors not to wait to be told by policymakers, but to start thinking about those issues now.